The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming or arrival. It's a time when we remember the coming of Christ to a manger in Bethlehem. His coming has brought us hope, peace, love, and joy. Prophesying of Christ's coming, the prophet Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, regardless of the chaos that may seem to surround you this season, Jesus can bring you peace. This Advent, may your heart be filled with peace, knowing that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has come, and He is coming again. Let us embrace the lasting peace He offers us today. Man, it is good to be back together with you guys. Praise God. I miss you all so much that I had to move down onto the floor today. How many of you like this setup? This is a little different this morning. Um, it was fun watching you guys walk in this morning because you're kind of like, oh man, where's my seat? It moved, right? Um, but it, it's good to mix things up every once in a while. I want to just thank you uh, th- this morning, first of all, uh, for your prayers uh, for myself and for my family. A lot of you know the second week of November, uh, my wife tested positive for covid And so then it kind of just went through the family, and so we've been quarantining for a few weeks, waiting to get a clean bill of health to be back with all of you. But on behalf of my wife and myself and my my kids, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for meals that were dropped off at our door or delivered. Um, It's just such a blessing to be a part of the family of God. Amen. When we're in a place of need, it's good to be a part of the family. Well, I do want to say, you know, having gotten over uh, this virus, being on the other side of it, I just want to encourage you this morning, church, don't let fear control you through all of this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen? Um, we set up certain things as a church. We live stream, some of you are watching at home right now. We're taking certain precautions, but, but I do know this. As we walk through this, we need to be smart. We need to use wisdom, but above all things, we need to trust God, Amen. We need to trust that God is in control. He's not given us a spirit of fear. We can trust him today, and we can know this morning that he is in control. Well, we are in the second week of Advent. It's hard to believe, right? Second week of Advent, you're probably counting down uh, the shopping days. Uh, Not very many left. But I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning. Turn your Bibles or your Bible app to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we're in the midst of an Advent series that comes from the traditional themes of Advent. Four themes, they are hope, peace, love, and joy. Hope, peace, love, and joy. Advent is a a very special time in the church calendar because it is a time when we remember that Jesus, our Messiah, he came and he took on flesh. He is Emmanuel, as we sang this morning. He's God with us. We we celebrate the fact that he was born of a virgin and, and that he came into our situation. And the truth is this, he comes again and again into our situations, amen? We recognize whenever we're in a place of need that he is present and he is faithful, amen? 
And so he walks with us. And we also recognize this, that he is coming again to take us to be with him. Now, last week, Pastor Jose shared a message on Christmas hope. And today I want to speak to you about Christmas peace. And when I think of the the theme of peace or the, the message of peace, the first passage that comes to my mind is Isaiah chapter 9. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words some 700 years before the first Christmas, so 2,700 years ago. Isaiah predicted that the Savior of the world would come and that he would be born and that he would be called the Prince of Peace. Well, we're coming to the end of 2020, and some of you are very thankful for that, right? I remember at the beginning of this year, everyone was talking about 2020 vision, right? We're going to see clearly. None of us saw what was coming in 2020. But as we come to the end of this year, I think many of us just need to hear a message of peace once again. We need to hear this message of peace. Christmas peace. It's likely that we've never needed to hear this message more than we do today. We need the peace of God in our lives. Are you with me today? If I'm honest with you, and this is confession time for me, church, if I'm honest with you, I have to say there is a lot in these last eight months, nine months, that I've allowed to steal my peace at times, that I've allowed to to rob me uh, of peace. But Advent is is this bold, in-our-face reminder that the Prince of Peace has come and that his peace is a, a lasting peace. It's really rare in our world today to find people who are at peace. Even the world recognizes that peace is a hard thing to come by. So many just live without and they say, oh, I guess I'm just going to muscle through. There's no way I can have peace, but I'm going to be okay. So many live without peace. What a tragedy that is. George Carlin wrote these words. I'm probably going to get an email for quoting George Carlin on a Sunday. But I want you to see the perspective of those in the world today. He he writes these words. He says, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. We have wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more convenience but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts yet more problems, more medicine but less wellness. We have multiplied our possessions, he says, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life and not life to years. That's profound, isn't it? We've added years to life, but not life to years. He says, we've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the times, he says, of fast food, slow digestion, big men and small character, steep profits and shallow relationships. 
These are the days of two incomes but more divorce. Fancier homes but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one-night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the showroom window and nothing in the stockroom. A time when technology can bring you this letter and a time when you can choose either to share this insight or just hit delete. Now, why do I quote George Carlin this morning? It's to show you how much of the world feels today. And, and maybe you can relate today and say, yes, yes, peace seems so hard to come by, Pastor. I'm struggling right now to find peace in the midst of what's going on around me. Peace is a rare quality, and yet it's one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to give us peace. Let me make that more personal. Jesus came to give you peace. He came to give you peace. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We're reading from the New International Version this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah writes these words. He says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bars across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, say it with me, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He says, of, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Now think about it. When you think about the Christmas story, the very first Christmas, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, what did they sing? They sang, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. And so think about this. Isaiah announces 700 years before Christ's coming, he announces the coming of the Prince of Peace. And when, the, when Jesus arrives, the angels announce peace on earth. And Jesus' entire ministry was a ministry of peace. And before he descends into heaven, he declares this in John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying the kind of peace that I give, no one else could give. 
This is important for us to understand. The world can't give you peace. This peace that we're talking about this morning, you can't find it in a bottle. You can't find it in a pill. You can't find it in an earthly relationship. You can't find it in incantation or Eastern meditation. Jesus says, this kind of peace only I can give. It's a peace that only he can give us. And hear me today, it is a different kind of peace. You see, the peace that this world offers is phony and it's fragile. Really, it will not last. And here's the thing, we are at a place today where even the world realizes it. You see, the blessing of this COVID season, yes, I said blessing. The blessing is that for many, the idols that they trusted in to give them peace have crumbled. The things that brought them peace, all of a sudden they vanished. And so now they are searching for something. And church, we need to be the ones to declare the source of true and lasting peace. We need to be able to say, let me introduce you to somebody. He is the Prince of Peace. And maybe this morning you say, well, that's, that's great, Pastor. But if I'm honest, I'm struggling to grab a hold of that peace myself. You know, if you do a, a quick word study of this word peace, it, it's actually found in 790 verses in the scripture. Peace, this idea of peace. 790 verses. So we got a lot of work to do this morning. We're going to go through a, No, just kidding. Uh, 790, but just think about that. And if you take and you categorize those 790 verses relating to peace, you actually come up with three categories. I want you to write these down or take a note in your phone this morning. Three categories of peace, three kinds of peace. Number one is spiritual peace, spiritual peace. It is eternal peace with God. Number two is, is emotional peace, all right? We could call that internal peace. It is peace with yourself. And number three is relational peace. That's external peace, right? That is peace with others. It's getting along with your neighbor, even when his dog poops in your yard, right? You get along. That's external, relational peace, all right? And so we understand this today, that there are three kinds of peace. There's spiritual peace, there is internal, emotional peace, and then there is relational peace with others. And the primary reason that Jesus came was to give us peace with God. That's the most important piece, actually, because it affects every other area. How many of you know when a relationship is out of whack, especially when things are off with your spouse or with someone very close to you, all of a sudden it robs you of joy everywhere else, right? Like if that key relationship is off, I'm off in all of these other areas. Let me tell you, nothing does more to, to rob us of peace and joy than when our relationship with God is off. And so Jesus came to bring peace to that relationship. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. Understand this. Anytime I go my own way and decide I'm going to do it this way, this is, I, and I know what you're saying, God, but I'm going to do it this way. Understand, that's an act of rebellion, right? It puts me in a place at conflict with God. And when I'm in conflict with God, there seems to be no connection. It's why at times we feel like God is a million miles away. When God seems to be a million miles away, I want to encourage you to think, who moved, right? Who moved? 
but God has made us to be connected with him. And Christ came to allow us to have peace with God. Romans 5, one powerful verse. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline those words, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand today that peace with God does not come through what you do. It comes through what Christ has already done on the cross. You see, you cannot earn peace by being a nice person. No, peace comes by fully trusting in what Christ did for you on the cross. That's the first kind of peace, right? It's peace with God. And the second kind of peace is peace with me. It's, it's emotional peace. It's internal peace. Some of us, we're so conflicted on the inside, right? But God came to bring us peace on the inside, and Scripture often calls it the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, right? Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in your heart, understand it's talking about that, that emotional peace. Now, the word for peace in the Hebrew is what? Come on, you know this one. Shalom, all right, good. It means, understand this, it means much more than just the absence of hostility. It means well-being, it means happiness, it means harmony. Again, 790 verses about the peace of God, and I want you to understand this this morning, church. There is a peace for whatever problem we face. We have a class here that's called financial peace. Do you know how you can have peace in your finances? It's when you follow biblical principles, right? That all of a sudden, man, there's peace in my finances. Biblical principles always lead us to peace. And when you have peace with God, when you follow what God wants you to do, all of a sudden you get the peace of God, the peace of God. When, when you have a right relationship with God, here's the thing, he can bring an internal emotional peace. Now the final peace is peace with others. And, and so there's peace with God, there's peace with myself, and then there's peace with others. This is external relational peace. And here's the truth today, some of you have experienced it firsthand, that the further you drift in your relationship with God, the more negatively it impacts your relationships with others. You hear me today? Right? The further you drift away from God, all of a sudden, now all these other relationships are out of whack. You want to improve your relationship with your spouse? You know how you do that? You get close to God. If you and your spouse are both getting closer to God, guess what? It will draw you closer together. Sometimes when a relationship is broken, we just want to fix that relationship directly, right? We want to deal with it directly, but if we don't have the peace of God, if we don't have peace with God, then we won't have the peace of God, and there's no way I can have peace with you. <laughs> but if you're growing closer to God and your spouse is growing closer to God, it will pull you closer together. Here's the thing, I know this for my relationship with my wife. The further I get away from God, the more cranky I get with her, okay? The more out of whack you are with God, the more out of whack you will be in your relationships with others. And the world today is not getting more peaceful. It seems like day by day, it's only getting more conflicted. Our country is getting more conflicted. And the only way that we can have peace is as we are unified as the children of God. As a country, right, we have this phrase, e pluribus unum. What does that mean? It means out of many, one, right? And as we look today and we see 
our cities in chaos. We see so much conflict around us. You ask, how in the world can this world come together? I'll say this, true peace only comes as we know the Prince of Peace. And really, the unity of the church ought to always stand in contrast to the division and conflict that will always be in the world. Now you say, that sounds kind of pessimistic, Pastor, that it will always, yes, unless they accept the Prince of Peace, there is no lasting peace in the world. Galatians 3.28, Paul writes these words, he says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Understand today that Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so when we understand that and we receive that salvation, it ought to humble ourselves. It ought to humble us, right? And here's the thing. Humility is the pathway to peace, but pride is the pathway to conflict. And so whenever we see conflict in the body, it's because someone has gotten prideful and their ego has gotten in the way. So understand, these three types of peace that I'm talking about this morning, they build on each other. When I have peace with God, when I'm in a right relationship with him, then I can receive the peace of God. And when I have the peace of God, I start feeling right about myself and I understand who I am in Christ. And when that's right, I can have peace with others. You see, if I'm at peace, then the things that you used to do that bothered me, they don't bother me anymore, right? Because I have the peace of God in my life. Now, if we go back to our passage in Isaiah this morning, in one sense, we could say that not a lot has changed since the time in which Isaiah gave his prophecy. There, there is still seems to be a lack of peace among many in the world. There is still war and oppression and violence in our world. Our world today seems to know no settled peace. But in the midst of what the prophet Isaiah was seeing, here's what he did. He focused on the coming Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Maybe we could take a hint from the prophet today, right? To focus on the coming Messiah and the Prince of Peace. Back in verse 5 of chapter 9, Isaiah says he anticipates that the boots of the warriors and the garment rolled in blood, they are destined to be burned and destroyed. Think about that. In the midst of violence and oppression, Isaiah focuses on the coming Messiah. He says, the things of war will be put away, and here is why. For to us, a child is born and a son is given. In other words, the answer to everything that is taking place and will take place is found in the birth of a baby. And it's not just any child that is to be born. There are four names used to describe him. You know them, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and today we're focusing on the Prince of Peace. And basically what the prophet Isaiah is saying is that a child is going to be born who is the prince of peace. And if we are to have peace in our lives, we need to go to him. Now think about what a staggering claim that was in its time. But, but think about what a staggering claim that still is in a world today that's looking for peace. Again, we're looking for peace in our cities and in our schools and in our homes, but apart from the Prince of Peace, we know there is no lasting peace. Again, if I don't have peace with God, 
and I don't have the peace of God, if I don't have peace internally, how can I ever have peace externally with you? And so our government and our nation will continue to try to legislate peace, but we know whatever peace comes is only a temporary peace if it is apart from the peace of God. And that's why this name of Jesus carries so much appeal, doesn't it? I mean, you mentioned the Prince of Peace, you're probably going to get some attention, right? Like, who is this Prince of Peace? Understand, he is the one who has not only achieved peace, but he himself is peace. And if we receive him, we receive that peace. And so as we look at the world around us that seems to be lacking so much peace, there's really only two reactions that we can have to what we see around us. I know that simplifies it quite a bit, but there's only two reactions to what we see in the world, two reactions in our search for peace, and both of them come from some of the great fathers of rock and roll, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. You guys are like, great. First he quotes George Carlin, now it's John Lennon and Paul McCartney. But listen to me. We can either look at the world around us and see this violence and, and see this chaos We can see the unsettledness and we can say, we can work it out. (laughs) Or we can say, help, I need somebody. Help, I need somebody and not just anybody, right? You see, the default reaction of man, if he's honest, says, I know things are not the way they're supposed to be, but we can fix this. We can work it out. After all, we have intelligence, we have resources, we have what we need to make this right. And if we're honest, we can look internally and say, man, I know my life is not what it's supposed to be. I know there's all these things that I need to take care of, but I can work it out. We can work it out. You see, there are many in our world today that would claim to have the answers for this lack of peace simply by looking inward. As a nation, there's this honest sense of, man, we are in this dreadful mess, but we can work it out. Just get the right person in the White House. We can work it out, (laughs) right? But there is another alternative, and as the people of God, we need to be the ones to champion this, to say, help, I need somebody. And not just anybody. I need the Prince of Peace to come. You see, and, and he will come to those that look and realize, man, what's inside of me is not enough. So instead of searching inward, we ask, man, is there somebody from outside of me who has the answer to this lack of peace in my life? And that is core, can I just say, that is the message of the Bible. The word of God is not an account of man finding God, but rather God finding man. For unto us a child is born. It is all about God's initiative. The word of God makes it clear that there has been no lasting peace in the world since the Garden of Eden, right? Today our cities lack peace, our government lacks peace. So often our homes lack peace, Our hearts lack peace. Is is there somebody that can fix this? Help, I need somebody and not just anybody. We need someone to step in and bring about a lasting peace. And the peace of God, let me tell you this morning, is an eternal peace. Verse 7, his government and its peace will never end. 
And you just say, what kind of peace is that, Pastor? Because I've never known peace like that. Listen, if there is a peace that is eternal, and if that peace is to be found in this Messiah who is himself the Prince of Peace, then how does all of this actually work out in your life and my life, right? Let's make it practical, right? How do we get from the phrase Prince of Peace to the experience of peace in our lives? If God has truly come in the person of this Prince of Peace, then wouldn't it make sense that he has accomplished what he said he would do? Doesn't that make sense? Colossians chapter one, Paul introduces us to Jesus. Verse 19, he says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He says, this includes you who were once far away. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, here's what you get. He has brought you into his presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow, right? Look, look what Paul says. He says, you were once far away. In other words, you were alienated from God. And here's the reality. That alienation affects every area of life, right? That, that alienation is played out in our behavior. That's the great problem before us in the world is that so many are alienated from God. And it's an alienation, again, that affects every area of life. But only the Bible has the answer for this. Do you understand? No other religion addresses the problem in the same way. Buddhism will say to you, you know what, if you can't have peace, you got to look within. You'll find the answers there. But if we could find peace within, then why did Jesus come? Why would he come and die for his enemies? All the while praying for their forgiveness. You see, that's the Christmas story the story that this Prince of Peace dies for those who are hostile toward him, who are opposed to them. At the same time, he's praying for our forgiveness. Why did Jesus do this? Because of this alienation. You see, the word of God actually has answers to what troubles us in this world. And and it says, listen, The reason that you know relational alienation, psychological alienation, all those alienations, right, they are directly related to the alienation that's mentioned in verse 21. You were God's enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Enemies in your mind. Listen, if we are enemies of God, what hope is there of peace? Unlike this God, he, he... instead comes and he takes the initiative. And that is exactly the prophecy of Isaiah 9, that God's gonna come and he's gonna take on human flesh and he's gonna provide for us the man who would represent all mankind. Jesus comes to deal with our alienation from God by bringing reconciliation. All of the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus, and so through Jesus, the Messiah, he could reconcile all things. 
In other words, there was a barrier between God and man. That barrier is our sin. That barrier is our rebellion against God and all of that sin. Here's the deal. It offends a holy God. And because he is just, he must punish sin. But because he is loving, he provides the solution. Really here, Paul makes sense of that phrase, that he's the prince of peace. That the Messiah is the prince of peace. You could say, well, in what sense? He is the prince who by his death atones for sin. He took upon himself a righteous response from the Father to sin. The Prince of Peace. Jesus would go to the cross of Calvary. He he would bear on his own body our sins. What takes place on the cross is propitiation. I know that's a big word, but what, what does it mean? It means he bears the wrath that you and I deserve. The story of the cross is really found in Isaiah 53, 7. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Understand this, in Christ's sacrificial death is the answer to all of our human alienation is the answer. It all, all the failures, all of the fractures of life, the answer is found in this Prince of Peace who goes to that hill on Calvary. You see, the Christmas story that Hallmark paints is not the Christmas story we see in the Bible. When, when the wise men came to Jesus, they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. What a strange gift to bring to a baby. <laughs> Let's, let's bring him a toy. <laughs> let's bring him some clothes. He's in a manger, right? Let's, let's bring him something practical, but they bring him myrrh. And what is myrrh? Myrrh is an embalming agent, which says from the very beginning that this Messiah, this Prince of Peace, came so that he could die for us. The Christmas story is so beautiful because it's a story of reconciliation. And if you want true and lasting peace in your life. The real question this morning is, are you reconciled to God? We're gonna come to the communion table in just a few moments. We're gonna partake of communion together. And we do this every month here at Grace Point as a reminder of what Christ has done for us. He has made a way for us to have peace with God. And if we have peace with God, then we know the peace of God and we can extend that same peace to others. See, here's the thing. We can look at all the brokenness around us in the world. Many of us are prepared this morning to admit, man, there's so much messed up in our world and yet we find it hard to face what's broken and messed up here, like in our own lives. I want to tell you this morning, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for peace, it's only found in one place. It's only found in this Prince of Peace. And Jesus is, he is a sufficient Savior. He's a sufficient Savior. On the cross, Christ accomplished reconciliation. And so the issue for us today, as we come to the communion table, is not one of achievement, but of acceptance. Many in our society are 
completely unaware that reconciliation has been achieved. You see, in our alienation, the the Prince of Peace has done a work of reconciliation that leads to transformation in our lives. When when Adam sinned in the garden, there was this this big dislocation that took place. It it, it affected Adam, it affected Eve, it even affected the garden. That's why you've got weeds to pull, right? It, It affected everything. Man turns his back on God and and dislocates his relationship with God and and with creation itself. And since that point, everything has been fractured. Listen, we as believers do have something to say with those who are concerned with the environment, with those who are concerned with, with violence, with those who are concerned with psychological disorders. We say, we know the world is broken and here is why. But let me introduce you to a person. He's the Prince of Peace. And by his death and his burial and resurrection, he has brought us peace. Right now, church, we have the tremendous privilege of getting a glimpse of that peace, right? We we can see that peace in part, but one day, we know this, there will be ultimate peace. Isaiah chapter 11 talks about a time when the lion will lay down with the lamb. In chapter 9, Isaiah says there's a time when the things of war will be no more. We're going to burn those boots. We're going to burn those garments of blood. There is a time coming when COVID-19 will be no more. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God is going to provide for us a new heaven and a new earth. And it's not going to be a place that's anything about the power of man, but it's going to be all about the glory of God. Why? Because a child is born, and he is the Prince of Peace. And if you are to know peace in your life, you must come to him. I want to say today, you can receive that peace. You can receive that reconciliation with God. He doesn't ask you to achieve it. He simply asks you to accept it. John 1.12 lets us know to all who receive him, to all who receive him, to all who believe on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. See, this reconciliation brings us to a place where, man, now we operate as children of God. Today, if you would receive Christ, If you would believe this morning, man, there's salvation in the name of Jesus. You can become his child and you can know peace with God. You can do that right now in this moment where you sit simply by saying, Jesus, help. I need somebody. Not just anybody. I need somebody. Church, I am convinced that we as the people of God should be walking in peace and living in peace. We cannot let the enemy steal from us the peace because we have a peace that is lasting and eternal. And so before we receive the cup this morning, before we receive the bread, you know, Advent is, is a time of remembrance, but communion is a time of remembrance as well. We remember the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So would you stand all around this room this morning before we receive the bread and the cup today? Let's just focus in on what Jesus has done for us. And even in this moment, 
you can reach out where you're at right now and say, Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you help me? Help, Lord Jesus, I need somebody. Invite the Prince of Peace into your life, even in this moment. So let's worship together before we receive the cup and the bread today.